0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back and Happy New Year. On another episode of the Carolina Casuals Podcast, I am Justin and I am, of course, joined by my brother Noah. Hello, everybody. I hope
1: everybody's had a great start to 2024.
0: We've got an exciting episode for you this week, but before we get into it, I want to remind you all that if you're enjoying this podcast, to make sure you leave a five-star review on wherever it is you get your podcasts from. Leave a comment down below giving your thoughts on what we had to say this week or what you're anticipating for the upcoming offseason for the Carolina schools. Follow us on both Facebook and Instagram, at Carolina Casuals Podcast. Follow us to stay up to date on all the most recent information regarding this podcast. This episode is a season recap episode for all of the football teams in the Carolinas.
1: So much like we did at midseason, we're going to go over the big six teams in the Carolinas, and give them a grade for how the season went overall. We're going to start in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Wake Forest finished the season 4-8 and overall with 1-7 and in conference play. That one win coming against the Pittsburgh Panthers. A little bit of a struggle for Wake this year. Justin, what grade would you give the Demon Deacons?
0: Yeah, I'm probably going to go C- here. I think it's about what I gave them at midseason. I think, compared to expectations, this is kind of what I expected from Wake, maybe a little bit worse than I thought. Thought maybe they'd get up to five wins. But I think what's really hard with Wake was you started off the season really, really strong, three and o, you know, nice out of conference wins. You had the close comeback win against Old Dominion. And then it just kind of felt like everything went off the rails. And to only go one and seven in conference play is really disappointing. Your only win came against Pittsburgh, who only had two wins in conference play. So while it's not necessarily much different from what I expected from Wake this year, that doesn't make it good. I mean, you don't ever want to be stuck at four and eight. Uh, and Wake finished dead last in the ACC, which is. Never fun to swallow. So I'm going to say C minus. Again, for me, about what I expected from Wake, but it's still not really what you hope to see from your football team. If you're a Wake Forest fan, that
1: is. So Wake's record indicates to me it should almost be like in the D range. But I am going to agree with the C minus because outside of Notre Dame, which was kind of handled like with Florida state was with one being one of the top teams. They weren't contending with them. Wake took care of their business out of conference, beating Elon Vandy and uh, old dominion, which was big, but it's hard to go higher than a C minus just because conference play was so bad. They had some close games. The win against Pitt was close. They were close to beating Duke close to beating Clemson, who we'll get to a little bit later, but it's just really hard to give this wake team anything more than a C minus. So I'm going to give them a C minus, just because I think the out of conference, the out of conference keeps it from going into the D range, but C minus I think is the best I can do.
0: Yeah, I think C minus I agree is about as high as I could go. I really thought about going D for them, just because of how abysmal their conference play was. But I felt because of how they started the year, you know, you, they had a they had a bit of a tough schedule. You had to play Notre Dame. You had to go to Clemson. So it's it wasn't an easy schedule, but you would have liked to see them maybe get an, an extra win or two in there. I think there were some winnable games. I think is the the tough thing for me is when you look at how the year went. Maybe you'd like to see them win that last game of the year against Syracuse. Maybe you'd like to see them be a little more competitive against Georgia Tech. You know, you're playing when they played Duke. They were, I believe, Duke was on a backup quarterback because that was while Riley was hurt. Maybe mm-hmm. you'd like to see Wake Forest win that game against a banged up Duke team who really struggled the second half of the season. So I I think C minus, because they did have a tough schedule, schedule, like I mentioned, you had to play Clemson, you had to play Florida State, you had to play NC State, you had to play Notre Dame. Like those are four really tough games. And like I said, there's maybe two games in there that you'd really like to see them win. So I ultimately went C- because I think they got just about everything, I think, out of this schedule that they could have.
1: And that was what I was going to say, Is and for you all listening, when we do these grades, sometimes we also have to give the grade relative to the expectation. And the reality is the expectation for Wake Forest, we didn't expect much more than C at best, and so they achieved that. But I think just I think and that's why I think also C minus is fair, because it wasn't like we were expecting this team to win 10 games and they won four. This was about what we expected. Uh, But what we expected was about a C minus. So just keep that in mind as we go through these rankings is that some of our rankings will be given based on also what we expected from teams this year.
0: Let's move now to the only other uh, big six team from the Carolinas to not make a bowl game and that was the South Carolina Gamecocks. I think overall a slightly disappointing season, finishing at 5-7, and just barely missing out on bowl eligibility. They finished second to last in the SEC East, only beating out Vanderbilt, who did not win a single conference game in the SEC. Noah, what are your thoughts on South Carolina? What grade are you giving them? I came into this season expecting, not like contend
1: for the SEC East, South Carolina, but maybe like a 7-8 win team, maybe even a 9-win team because of the, how the momentum they came off from, from last season, returning Spencer Rattler. And it just never seemed to pan out. A couple of A couple of losses. The loss to Florida was one that stings, especially because you had the 10-point lead in the last five minutes. And, you know, you let that game slip away against Florida. Some losses to Missouri, Tennessee, Georgia. And I think that for me is what I'm going to give them a C. Because the reality is they had seven losses. Three of them came against, you know, Tennessee was not great. I personally thought Tennessee was a little bit overranked. But they were better than some of the other SEC schools. Missouri proved to be really good. Georgia, obviously, was still really good. But the pivotal games... UNC and Clemson. Those were two among some others in Florida. I think those are three games. You really wanted to see South Carolina win and they just were not able to do it. So I'm going to give them a C because of
0: that. I'm going to go. This is actually going to be my lowest grade of the day and I'm going to go D plus. And Mm -hmm. I know coming from a Clemson fan, that's going to sound really harsh and a little bit biased. I guess here's my thing. I look at what Tennessee did this year. That's kind of what I expected from South Carolina. I know Tennessee mm-hmm. only won one more conference game than South Carolina, but I think Tennessee had a bit tougher of a conference schedule than South Carolina did. They had to play both Bama and Georgia. They also had to play Missouri. There were some there were some rather tough games. Thrown in there. I mean, those are those are three teams that really turned out to be very strong this year. Uh Missouri, I think was the surprise team for a lot of people this year. So those are three tough games, but that's that's kind of where I expected South Carolina to be this year coming into this season. The way they finished last year and you go 0 and 2 against the supposedly inferior ACC, uh you lose to North Carolina, you lose to Clemson and those were neutral site and home games. Those are going to be tough pills to swallow if you're a South Carolina fan. You lose, like you mentioned, the game to Florida, which was really tough. You didn't play well against Jacksonville State. You ended up getting the win, but you had to fight for that win. I just felt like this team was capable of an eight-win kind of season. The Texas A&M game as well I'd throw out there is a game you feel like you'd like to see them win. Even that would put them at minimum seven wins and in a bowl game if you get those two, which I think are very, or should have been winnable games for them. And compound that with the loss to North Carolina, the loss to Clemson, the poor showing against Jacksonville State. I felt like of the the big teams in the Carolinas, they were the most disappointing. Obviously, Wake's... Season Ended up overall being worse, but I, I think because of the expectations for this team, the way the last season ended, I felt like this team was capable of more Spencer Radler was considered one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And it just, it never came together.
1: And I think to remember for South Carolina, you know, you mentioned second to Vanderbilt. Let's, I'll I'll contextualize that a little bit for those that don't know Vanderbilt won zero non-conference zero sec games south carolina won three which was tied for uh which was tied with kentucky and florida so it wasn't like they were you know scraping the bottom with vanderbilt but it was still but it was still second tied for second from the bottom to vanderbilt and i think you, you mentioned it you know south carolina to me it's those game that game against north carolina who they started out hot and we'll get into later. Just absolutely. I think that's one in hindsight. If you're a South Carolina fan, you want to see them win. And then Clemson, you score, you lost 16 points at home against Clemson and you lose Clemson shows up with a bunch of guys sick and you still lose. I mean, it's it just tough. that that's, I, I'm going to give them some benefit of the doubt because of how some of the other seasons ended up panning out and having to, you know, autonomy five. I mean, sorry, power five non-conference games, The Florida one just hurts because of how it went, but Clemson and UNC are the two swing games to me that I think the season goes differently if those two games are won. And let's move on now to Durham, North Carolina. The Duke Blue Devils finishing the season with a win in the 76 Birmingham Bowl, 17 to 10 over Troy to move to eight and five on the year, including four and four in the ACC, which was tied with the likes of North Carolina and Clemson. What grade
0: would you give Duke for this season? Duke, for me, was the toughest to, to give a grade. Their season started out so strong. They looked like they were going to be a very competitive, high-profile team in the ACC. You had the loss to Notre Dame. Riley Leonard gets injured at the end of that game. And then, you know, he's kind of healthy for the Florida State game, and he, gets, he re-injures himself. He's not the same after that. They ultimately shut him down. I think the injuries kind of killed the momentum for this Duke team, and I think the shutout against Louisville was kind of the the defining moment for them. I think that was kind of where it finally was. Yeah, that we're kind of toast, you know. And I thought they did well. They got the big win against NC State, which in hindsight looks like a really good win yeah the narrow loss in chapel hill in double overtime you know you were competitive like i said you were competitive with florida state for a little bit you obviously started the year with the win against clemson which for a while this season didn't look great but now looks like a pretty good win i think when you put it all together when you take the injuries into account i think i'm gonna i think i'd gonna have to say a very high B minus. I can't go B, I think, because of the way their season ended down the stretch. Again, kind of like with Wake, the wheels just kind of started falling off. And they really kind of spiraled out of control, even though they played well in some of those games. Just too many times you felt like they they came up short when they when they really had the game within reach. And so I'm going to say B minus. I think I think I would feel differently. I think the big one that I think does it for me is had they won the the UNC game, I think that would have pushed them up to a B, maybe even a B plus. But I think to lose that game the way that game went, I think that was one that that really I think pulls them down to a B minus. I think the injuries do come into play here. But I'm going B minus for Duke.
1: So i I've been oscillating kind of between C plus and B minus. Here's what I think for Duke. Coming into the year, when I looked at Duke's schedule, I said the expectation for Duke should be eight and four, nine and three if it gets face really good. Because I looked at the schedule, I would have said beginning of the year, Duke wasn't going to beat Clemson, Duke wasn't going to beat Notre Dame, Duke wasn't going to beat Florida State. And every other game looked winnable. The only and the game that would determine eight and four and nine and three was the UNC game. If you take a look at how the season played out, lost to Notre Dame, lost to Florida State. Clemson and Louisville kind of trade off with each other because they beat Clemson, who I expected them to lose to, and they lost to Louisville, who I expected them to beat. The swing game losing to UNC. So you'd think they'd end up at eight and four. And the reason I'm going to put them at a C at a C plus instead of a B minus the Virginia game, a Virginia team that finished the year three and nine had some nice wins, including the win over UNC, but some ugly, ugly, ugly losses as well. And I think had Duke beaten UVA, I would have been able to put them at a B minus, maybe even a B Because the other thing I would say, with the exception of the Louisville game, Duke was in or dominating every single game that they played. The Notre Dame game, they were a 4th and 16 QB scramble away from winning that game. And Riley Leonard, and I really would have loved to have seen what Duke's season might have been had that game gone differently. Because you make that stop, Riley Leonard doesn't get injured. You have a huge momentum push going into the bye week, going into the rest of the year. And the way it ended, I think, started the derail. But even still, they played well against Florida State. They were up 20-17, to started the fourth quarter, and then it was just, it got worn down. And it was double overtime against UNC. And there were some questionable calls at the end of that game that maybe should have gone in Duke's favor. So it wasn't like, you know, They were getting blown out of every game. They were in every game, but the loss to UVA just cannot, I can't put them at B plus because they went just under my expectation, losing really to the, really truly to the team on the schedule they shouldn't have lost to. And the NC State win obviously looks really good, but it's just, the UVA one just stings me too much to put them at a B minus. So I'm going to give them a C plus.
0: Even if they lose the Notre Dame game, if Riley Leonard doesn't get hurt, I think the season could have looked very different for them. Well, I think I'm just more than anything, I know there. I know momentum plays a role, but Riley Leonard being hurt going into the Florida State game, his risk of re-injury was already very high, and so when he got re-injured, the momentum of that game completely shifted. I think Duke believed they were in that game until he got hurt. And then when Mm -hmm. he got hurt, it was over.
1: Well, And and I think the only reason I said the Notre Dame game is it's less that they lost. Like, had Notre Dame come out and won 28-7, it would have been different. But because it was such a gut-wrenching loss and then to have your guy go out tragically at the end of that game, I would have loved to have seen what might have happened had that all gone differently. But like I said, I think Duke... Duke had a good season. They almost achieved the expectations, came really close so often, but I, just, I couldn't put it at I – I think C-plus C plus is the grade I'm going to give.
0: Let's move now to their in-state rival, North Carolina Tar Heels, who finish the season with a record overall of 8-5 and five after their bowl game in which they picked up a loss to West Virginia – to close out the season in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. North Carolina at one point was ranked as high as 10th in the country this season, which was the uh, joint, I believe, third or fourth highest ranked ACC team this year. Obviously, Clemson started the year in the top 10. Florida State has finished the season in the top 10. Louisville was up at ninth or 10th late in the season. But then North Carolina picked up that loss to Virginia and from that point on proceeded to only win two more games the rest of the year after the Virginia loss. So, Noah, how do you grade this up-and-down season from the Drake May-led Tar Heels?
1: I'm going to give it a C. And the reason I'm going to give it a C is because the ups were great. You know, you you beat you beat Miami at home. You have those close games against App and Duke at home. But the lows for UNC were very, 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 very low. And this was a team that you and I at preseason, if I remember correctly, were expecting to contend for the ACC championship. And it looked and it looked like in mid October that that was what was going to happen losing back-to-back weeks to Virginia, you know, I punished Duke for it. I got to punish UNC for that, especially since that one was at home. And then the next week to follow that up, losing to Georgia Tech and letting Georgia Tech, I'm pretty sure, even come back in that game. Going up 10 with 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter and losing that. I think I got to give it a C. And the reason it's below Duke is because of the, again, the expectation I had for UNC and then for it to just fall flat. Because after the Miami win, it was lost to UVA, lost to Georgia Tech, win against Campbell, a double overtime win against Duke, losing by 11 at Clemson, and then losing by 19 at NC State. And I'm fairly certain that was a game. Yeah, that was a game that wasn't even as close as the score indicated. It was 33 to 7 in the in the third quarter. So I think because of the expectations, I give UNC a C for this season.
0: I'm not going to lie. That's... I think that's a little bit harsh. Um when I look at UNC season, obviously they started the year really strong. We on this podcast had the discussion after their win against Miami as to if we felt like UNC had a shot at the playoffs. I think when I look at this schedule, I think there are really there are two bad losses. I think the loss at home to Virginia and then the loss at Georgia Tech. I think we I think those are considered bad losses. There are other three losses on the year, were at Clemson, which is a notoriously difficult place to play. I mean Clemson this season only lost one game at home and that was an overtime loss to Florida State who ended up being a team combining for a national championship spot. You lose at NC state who ended up believe, who ended up being the team that we thought UNC would be and competing for a chance to play in the ACC championship. And then a bowl game lost to West Virginia where you didn't have half the starters on offense playing. So I'm actually going to be a little more lenient than you were towards them. I think you have to consider those two losses. I think those are very bad losses for them, but I think I can't put them any lower than Duke because they did ultimately, I think, have a better season than Duke. I know their expectations were competing for a championship, but I, but Duke's expectations were, you know, maybe eight or nine wins. They finished with seven wins in the regular season UNC's were probably like 10 wins, and they finished with 8. So that automatically, for me, puts them in the B to B-minus territory. And I'm going to go slightly better than Duke. I am going to go with a B, if for no other reason than the way they played in the first half of the season. They they looked unbelievable. The two bad losses are really bad. I think they're a very low B not quite a B minus. I think I have to put them slightly above Duke, but not quite the season. I think we thought it would shape out to be the way it started, but I think they, I think you can still hang your hat. If you're UNC still ended up not being too bad of a year for them.
1: And I think I will say that is a fair point, not putting them any lower than Duke. So I will actually hearing that I'll put them at C plus, but I think the reason I have a hard time putting them above Duke is it goes kind of goes back to that. You know, UNC, especially end of the year had some games that they really kind of felt like got dominated in Duke had the one, but everything else they were everything else. They were either in control or it was a close game. And I think you talked about the expectations we had. That to me is why I put them in the C range is because we had in mid-season, we were we were talking, could they make the playoff? And they didn't just fall out of playoff contention. They fell way down. And with just some losses they should not have had. And again, getting dominated at the end of the year. And I think that's why, to me, I, I can't... I, I agree to not put them below Duke, but I can't necessarily justify putting them above Duke just because not only the expectations before the season but then the expectations we possibly talked about in October and now looking at where it finished, just it was a really disappointing end.
0: I would say they got dominated in one game. I think the NC state game was domination, but at that point UNC had nothing to play for other than, you know, personal pride, but I don't think the NC state game matters as much to them as it does to NC state. I mean, the Clemson game was competitive for a good while, I, th- I give Clemson, which we'll talk about in a little bit, a lot of credit for how they played in the second half against UNC. thought Clemson up their level. But, and again, on the road at Clemson, that's always a tough game. Even Florida State struggled mightily playing yeah. in Death Valley. So it's hard for me to fault them for that one. The Virginia and Georgia Tech losses are hard to overlook, but when I compare it to Duke's season, I can't put them any lower because they did beat Duke in a – probably i think arguably actually i don't think it's arguably the best regular season game include that included at least one team in the carolinas i think there's and i think including bowl games i think there's only one game that competes with that duke unc game in terms of just a pure football game mm-hmm. that was one of the best games in the carolinas we got to see this year it was fantastic so you know, I, I give him a, a very low B, kind of like how I gave Duke a very high B minus. Um, but yeah, I I can understand your point.
1: Let's move on now to the team in Raleigh, the NC State Wolfpack, finishing the season at 9-4 and four following a Pop-Tarts Bowl loss to Kansas State. NC State, one of two Carolina teams to finish ranked in the final AP poll, finishing at 21st. Justin, kind of a surprise from NC State this year. What grade would you give them?
0: I got to give them, again, another kind of tough team because, as I said at the start of the year, Dave Dorian is very good at getting you at least seven to eight wins every year. NC State always seems to end off on that. Area. I think the ninth the ninth win this year was was nice to see. I think they played really well, especially in the second half of the season. Yeah, I were very critical of them early, particularly on offense. They benched Brandon Armstrong for the backup, and he played great. And then he benched himself and transferred, so Brandon Armstrong came back in and started playing great. And so it was kind of a weird season. For NC State, when you look at everything that happened, you would look at it and say there's no way that they were nine and three. But they were nine and three. And their only three losses. The Duke game, which I think is one they would like to have back. Uh Duke was still ranked at that point, but again, they didn't have Riley Leonard. They were playing, they were playing Belen who threw 12 passes and completed four of them. If you're NC State, that's a game you would really like to win. You you beat Clemson, which is a good win. You beat UNC, which is a good win. You had the early loss to Notre Dame, which not a bad loss, and then a loss to Louisville, not a bad loss. I mean, quite frankly, NC State, outside of maybe that Duke game, I think you could arguably say – they won every game that they should have won and then lost the two that they should have lost with the way the year played out so for me i i'm going to go a minus i think for nc state i think they had a, a really good year obviously the bowl game was a bit of a sour ending But I think they were very good this year, and especially the second half of the season. They were entertaining to watch. They won their games. They won their big games. They didn't have an easy schedule by any standard. I mean, they had to play Duke, who was ranked at one point, Clemson, who was ranked, North Carolina, who was ranked, Notre Dame, who was ranked, Louisville, who finished ranked, Miami was ranked at one point. Like, that's six teams that at some point this year were in the top 25 in the country. I gotta hand it to them, and I, they went four and two in those games, for three and three in those games. Like I said, so I think the the one loss that you would like to see them, maybe, you know, that that you would look at and say they should have won that game is the Duke game. I'm gonna go a minus. I think they had a very good season for maybe what we expected of them. Oh, this one's third, tough. third in the ACC as well. I should mention, yeah, they were they were right there competing for the chance to play in an ACC championship.
1: I go back and forth between B plus and a minus, And it's cause I mean, the a minus argument is they exceeded my expectations, especially b- both preseason. And as we went through the year, I mean, early in the year, it looked like they were going to scrape it out. And I remember just kind of looking later on in the year, I was like, wait, they're eight and three, they're nine and three. How, how are they doing this? And i know i was very high on their defense and for me i'm going to give them credit for getting better as the year went on and finishing the season strong the counter argument to that is again the good was really good but the bad was bad i mean you i mean the notre dame it was a rainy day it was all that but i mean 45 to 24 early in the season Blowout game is a blowout game. Scoring ten points against Louisville when they only scored thirteen, I think that's one. If you're NC State, you'd really like to have come away with that one. And then the loss to Duke, the lost the the lot well, the loss to Duke without Riley Leonard, as you said, with the quarterback who it wasn't like the quarterback the backup came out and threw for three hundred yards. It was it was probably their worst game of the year. And then finishing it up with the. I really thought they were gonna, with you know Kansas State's quarterback transferring, I really thought they were gonna put on a good showing in the Pop-Tarts Bowl, and it just couldn't quite materialize all the way through. I mean, they kept it close for a while. They were able to cut it to two, and it was kind of a two-point game for much of the fourth quarter. So I'm gonna give them a high B plus, with the possibility of a low A minus, and it's really truly just for me. It's the they exceeded my expectations. And the highs were great, but the lows were just ugly. But I think I settle somewhere at a really, really high B+. plus.
0: Yeah, I guess what I would say is, you know, when we talk about the lows being ugly, right, like UNC's and, and Duke's lows were ugly. For me, the reason why they got into the A was I don't blame them for the Notre Dame loss. That's, that's a tough game. With with how Louisville ended up – I mean, Louisville ended up finishing second in the ACC just above NC State. Obviously, in hindsight, if you can win that game, you're probably playing for an ACC championship. But, in, I mean, again, Louisville was great this year, so it's hard to fault them for that. I think really it was the one low against Duke. I, I don't put a ton of stock always in bowl game results. Bowl games can be so volatile – and you never know what's going to happen. I definitely think losing that game hurts a little bit. But for me it was I think still enough to keep it as as an A minus which spoiler alert is my highest grade of any team in the Carolinas. So hats off to NC State. I think they had a really really good season.
1: And and I I would be willing to give them an A minus but even with Duke and Car, even with Duke and NC State or Duke and Carolina, excuse me, there the games that they lost. I mean, they had each of them kind of had their one bad game. The games that they lost were not as close. Two of NC State's losses were blowouts. The other one was just again ten points, and you lose by three. It's just it's hard to. That's it, kind of that game that you really feel like you should win when it's 13 to 10 and I I can hear the argument for an a minus. I think I'm going to give it just a really high B plus.
0: And our final team of the big six who finished the year, the highest ranked team from the Carolinas. That was the Clemson tigers. Again, kind of like UNC, very up and down season started the year off rough and we've talked a lot on this podcast about the state of Clemson this year and the struggles that they went through. But the last half of the season, they really turned it on. They finished the regular season 8-4 and four and picked up a bowl game win in a thriller against Kentucky down in the Gator Bowl. Noah, how do you grade Clemson's season?
1: I'm going to give it a B B+. I, I I find it hard to give anybody in the Carolinas this season an A, but the one thing you can look at Clemson, they had their one ugly they had their one ugly game their ugly game and ugly loss was Duke, after that overtime against Florida State at home was their one, one of their losses, double overtime in Miami that was just not handled well down the stretch and then a and a a, a loss at NC State that again was closer I think than the score indicated. Or sorry, it was not as close as the score indicated. State was up 24-7 until early in the fourth quarter. Thompson was able to kind of claw back and make it a potential game late. Um, But then they ended the season very, very, very strong. Comeback bowl win against Kentucky, but also included a home win against Notre Dame, dominant Georgia Tech, controlling the game against UNC, and overcoming the road environment to get revenge against South Carolina. But again, for Clemson, I can't give them an A- because early in the season, it just was not pretty. They were still able to... They won the game if they were supposed to win. You know, FAU, Syracuse, Wake, uh, Charleston Southern. But the Duke loss was just ugly and self-inflicted. Miami was self-inflicted. And they got it figured out in charge four, which is why I'm going to give them the B+. Plus. But it's just hard for me to give them an A- because beginning of the season and again this was a team that started in the top 10 and was along with North Carolina the other team we thought would challenge Florida State for the ACC and they were pretty much out of the mix by around the end of September halfway through
0: the season so i'm going to give them a b plus i'm actually going to go b and i kind of put it in the same realm that i put UNC they kind of had the reverse season of UNC if UNC kind of started out super hot and then kind of tailed off towards the end, Clemson started out not very strong, and it was ugly, like you mentioned. And then the, the last five games of the season, they just they flipped a switch. And I think part of it was the young guys. There's a lot of young guys on that offense, and they started, kind of started to figure things out a little bit. And I think the Kentucky game and the bowl game was – was good to see the young guys really show out and play well. I think they finally figured out that their identity was the fact that they have two outstanding running backs and they just need to give them the ball and get out of the way. I think that was a big part of it in the second half of the season. So, you know, the, I think the win against Notre Dame was a big boost. Uh, the loss against State obviously doesn't look as bad uh, now that we're at the end of the year. The Miami loss hurts. That's one that some you get rid of some self-inflicted wounds. You'd like to see them win that. Again, same with Duke. Of course, at that time in the year, that looked doesn't look like a terrible loss, but now it's not great. So I, I kind of put it in the same boat as UNC. I got to give it a B. I give Dabo and the coaching staff a lot of credit for that second-half push where they really found an identity offensively. The defense played well all season. We knew that they would, they always do. And I think the offense really started to, to find what works for them and figure out an identity. And I'm hoping that both of those running backs are going to be back next year. Cause if we've got another season of them, I feel really good about Clemson going forward. Well, I do know I can answer one of those. I do believe Will Shipley has declared for the draft. That so, doesn't surprise me. I, I figured not, he would. I hadn't seen anything on it for certain, but I think, I think that m- was
1: that was what I had seen. Maffa, I have not seen anything on. But
0: Moffa, I think's a little bit younger. So I think he may be back for another year. I hope he is because he was sensational this year. Shipley, you know, we hate to see him go, but I think he'll have a decent career in the NFL. He'll probably be what? Fourth round pick. You he's think he's somewhere in there? So. And
1: you talked about Miami and the self-inflicted. I'll throw something else in that game. Clemson had a 10-point lead yeah. facing a backup quarterback and lost. And that's just – that, I think, was encapsulating of what the early season was for Clemson. They just couldn't get out of their own way. They finished strong. They figured it out. You wonder what maybe happens if Tyler from Spartanburg doesn't call. But,
0: <laughs>
1: you know, I, I, I think – the season, no, it wasn't a 10-win season. No, it was not the ACC championship contending season, but still a good season with a strong finish for the Clemson Tigers.
0: Real quick, before we jump to the NFL, I want to go ahead and ask you, Noah, real quick. Outside of the Big Six, I feel like I know what your answer is going to be here. Outside of the Big Six, what team were you most impressed with this season?
1: I mean... Look for me. I'm gonna give some love to my school. I'm gonna give some love to Furman. They achieved their expectations. We had so much coming back. I knew it would be. I knew it would be a really good year, and it and it was a ten and two regular season. South Carolina, a game that you know it was close for the most of the first half, and then South Carolina's talent overwhelmed. The Wofford loss stings. But we went and we competed in the playoffs, gave a memorable moment. No, we weren't going to win the national championship because South Dakota State exists. But I think Furman had a really impressive season. And I'll go ahead and shout out somebody else as well. I think Appalachian State season
0: needs to be. I was, I, about. was I was gonna say App State. I, I think Furman deserves a lot of credit for the season they had. I think just based on team success, I think they probably had the best season of anybody. In the Carolinas, obviously at the FCS level. App State probably has what might be one of the better wins of all the teams going to JMU and picking up the big win on the road there for college game day. That was a big time win for them. And then obviously, you know, they fell short in the Sun Belt Championship to Troy against a very good Troy team, but then turned around and had Miami of Ohio. In their bowl game and managed to pick up a win in the maybe some of the worst conditions a football game has ever been played in. Yeah. So, you know, I think I think both of those teams I think deserve some some good shouts. And, you know, we'll give honorable mention as well. Coastal Carolina had a very solid season. I don't think better than either of the two we've mentioned, but a good season for them nonetheless, played in a bowl game. But yeah, App and Furman for me, outside of the big six, I think were the big big winners this year.
1: I'll go ahead and shout out another Southern conference school, Western Carolina with a solid year going, uh, seven and four in Southern conference play and had a chance to potentially contend for the Southern conference championship, ultimately not being able to overcome Furman and a couple of other losses in there,
0: but they had a really strong season as well. Well, Let's move on now to our final segment. As we review what might be arguably the worst season in franchise history for the Carolina Panthers, it was ugly from the start and didn't get better. Their final record on the year was 2-15. and 15. Head coach got fired partway through the season. Now that we have reached the end, this week the general manager, Scott Fitter, was fired. So a clean house from David Tepper, who had his own problems this year. Obviously, we did not do an episode last week, did not get a chance to address the uh, old drink-throwing on the Jacksonville fans situation that took place and his awful quote-unquote apology where he didn't apologize. So it was a bit of a dumpster fire, I think is a fair way to say it. Noah what what's kind of the biggest stick out point for you from this season? What do you obvious? Obviously we could sit here and lament about how bad the season was, but for you, what do you, what do you take away? Well, I'm
1: looking at an article right now that is labeled on ESPN. What went wrong for the Panthers in dysfunctional two and 15 season. And I think the better question is what didn't go wrong. Let's start with the fact of we traded when we traded our draft pick, and traded up in the draft to go get Bryce Young, our owner and our GM specifically said, they told they told us as fans, hey, this team is ready. They may not to Super Bowl contend, but this team is ready to play well, and all we got to do is drop in a rookie quarterback, and it's all going to work fine. And to be quite honest, the exact opposite happened. And I know throughout the year, you and I kept trying to find excuses of, oh, maybe it'll get better. And it just never did. You talk about a team. I don't know if any, some of you may not have seen this statistic. This was a team that went the entire season without leading in the fourth quarter. The Panthers won two games and didn't have an entire, didn't have a lead in the fourth quarter for an entire season because our two, the our two wins came on last second field goals. The offense under Frank Reich was just bad and predictable, and we didn't have anyone that could get separation. The offense under Chris Tabor was a lot of the same. And I think what makes it worse is the Green Bay Packers game a couple of weeks ago, which we didn't really, I guess, get to talk about this game much either. I I watched that game almost in its entirety, and I was like, oh my gosh. Maybe this is giving us some hope going into the year. We scored 30 points. Bryce Young threw for 300 yards, two touchdowns, didn't turn the ball over, had a tremendous fourth quarter, honestly got screwed by some officiating. And I'm like, this maybe gives some hope going into the offseason. And the last two weeks, and and that that fourth quarter touchdown by Bryce Young with four minutes and five seconds to go, that was the last points panthers would score on the season just abysmal from top to bottom i saw somebody say earlier that the coaching staff was really good on paper but it was not good in execution the one thing i will say that is to look at yes we don't have a first round pick but there's chances for free agency and off season that we'll get to in later episodes we can maybe try and get some late round draft picks, and for the first time in franchise history, we have a chance to reset the head coach and the GM, and get someone and get two people in those positions. First time since two thousand
0: two. First, first time since two thousand two. Not franchise history, but it's two thousand two. So it's been almost it's been over twenty years.
1: We can get a coach and a GM with the same vision, and try and get those aligned, and maybe that'll help us sign free agents, get a scheme, get the draft so that we don't... Because what we saw, did Bryce have a perfect season? No. He he was certainly not... Even we talk, we had the circumstances and all that. He was certainly not the best rookie quarterback playing-wise. Even take the circumstance out of it. He was not the best of the rookie quarterbacks. But there were glimpses. And I think if you get the right coach, there's a chance to really pull his potential out of him. But this year was just not the year and it was not the year we were promised as fans, which is why I might argue it is, I agree with you, the most disappointing season as a fan in
0: franchise history. So there's a lot we can talk about. Um, I think everything that we talk about this year, for me, starts with the offensive line. This was some of the worst offensive line play I think I've ever seen. icky Aquanu was awful as a left tackle. And regressed I... immensely. I think they should consider playing him as a guard. I I don't think he's a bad offensive lineman. I just don't know that he's quick enough on the edge to handle speed rushers. I don't think he's quick enough because most of the time when he's getting beat, he's not getting beat inside. He's getting beat around the outside, and I think it's guys are quick enough to be able to get around him. I think at guard, he'd be a lot better. The left tackle this year was awful. Bryce was the second most sacked quarterback as a rookie ever only behind David Carr obviously not all of that is on the offensive line but the number of times that I saw Bryce get to the back end of his drop and have to duck for cover because somebody had just come free was too many times than I can than I can count it was not good we've talked about wide receiver play on on this podcast quite a bit and how it was not good enough. I give Adam Thielen a lot of credit, had a good season. A lot of guys dropping passes, a lot of guys that weren't getting open. Give the defense a lot of credit. I mean, they were number one against the pass this year. Not a lot of people know that. The def- Our defense allowed the fewest pass yards per game of any team in the NFL this year, coming in at about 187, which is quite something. So give them a lot of credit. They played well, and like I, I like you said, what was beautiful about this season was when the offensive line gave Bryce a chance. Bryce won us games. The problem was there were more, there were way too many times that the offensive line was not giving Bryce chances. But the t- the three best games that our offensive line had were the Texans, which was a win. The Falcons, which was a win, and the Packers, which probably should have been a win. And quite frankly, Bryce Young is about half a second away from winning that game. If that if you know, if if Thielen runs that route maybe five yards shorter and give Eddie a chance at a long field goal, Bryce might be able to win that game in overtime because he was unbelievable in that game. But for me, the Tampa Bay game at the end of the year summed up the season with, you know, we make good things happen and then we just somebody does something stupid and it goes away. So I think there's a lot that's going to be talked about. I think it starts at ownership. I think there needs to be a priority on Bryce Young, not on David Tepper. And I think if that happens, I like our chances for next year. I think the coaching hire will be very indicative of that, which brings me to ask you, Noah, who is your favorite candidate for head coach? If
1: I can be honest, it'd be one of two. And I'm going to go with Ben Johnson, the Allian- the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions, Ben Johnson. The other one honestly might even be commander's offensive coordinator, Eric bien the reason, and the reason I'm putting those two guys in, the one thing I saw Ben Johnson and even Eric Bieniemy do this year, they were able to find ways to get the best out of quarterbacks that aren't elite and find out what they can do to put their quarterback in the best position. Obviously, Eric Bieniemy worked with Patrick Mahomes, but what we're seeing this year is maybe... The Chiefs needed Eric Bienname and Patrick Mahomes needed Eric Bienname and how much he meant because that team has certainly not been as, you know, free flowing as it is. And he was able to make Eric Bienname's offense with Sam Howell. At one point, Sam Howell was leading league in passing yards and was top five for a while. It kind of fell off at the end, but he's been such a good OC for so long. Ben Johnson, Jared Goff looked dead in the water when he went to Detroit. And he's found a way. It's not like, Jared Goff is, you know, a superstar or anything, but he's found ways to make him the best version of himself. And I think that is what the Panthers need. Because the one thing that always bothered me and I really realized this watching that Packers game, we kept I felt like our coaching staff was trying to turn Bryce Young into Drew Brees.
0: As a I would, we're going gonna... to agree that that when Reich was here, he tried to do that. I think after Reich was gone, I think you saw the pocket move a lot more. I think Bryce had more opportunities to to roll out to the right, to scramble a little bit. I so I agree with you there, but I will give Thomas Brown some credit. I think after Reich was gone, I think he did a better job of utilizing Bryce's skill set than Frank did. And I I will agree with that.
1: But to me it's just for a long time I felt like we wanted to make Bryce young what he wasn't. And yes, per, and if you I can look at that and say yes, personnel is a huge problem with that. But the moments that Bryce Young was at his best are the moments where he was able to have time, scan the field, scramble, and make a play out of something that wasn't there. And finding a way that we can have a system where we can run the ball. let So that way Bryce has time to you know, make those plays. And I think for me, a lot of the running the ball stuff is a personnel thing. Another guy maybe even would be Mike Vrabel. But I think really, for me, it's one of those three. I think Ben Johnson's just done so much with the Lions on offense, and we need another offensive-minded coach. To me, I think it's got to be Ben Johnson or B enemy. Just someone that really is going to find a way to get the best out of the quarterbacks.
0: Well, and I, I agree with you on Ben Johnson. I think Ben Johnson's the favorite. He's from the Carolinas. I think there's a lot of draw for him to come here. Obviously, Tepper's got big pockets, so even if he gets fired after part of the season, he'll still get a nice big paycheck. Biennemi, I think, is a good shot. I think Biennemi's due for a head coach job. I think he's proven himself in this league, and I I think we should very heavily consider him. Although, I think on the list that's come out, I don't remember seeing Eric Biennemi on there.
1: Which is a little sad.
0: Which is a little sad. I think he should have a, a chance. Here's what I will say about Vrabel. I really like the Vrabel shout because I do think one thing that we are missing is culture right now. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a very strong culture in place. And Vrabel is a culture guy. If the players rave about Mike Vrabel, I think he would be a good guy to come in and, and establish that culture. I just don't think Tepper would go for it because he's too much of an alpha and Tepper can't handle that. Pepper needs somebody that's going to listen to him, which is why I think the Panthers are in a lot of trouble. We'll save that for another day. But I think Vrabel would be perfect. I'll say this as another shout, because I've seen it on Twitter a good bit. I think the Panthers would actually be smart to hire Cam Newton as their president, as team president. Hmm. And that's for a lot of reasons, because... When we talk, about, especially if you're not going to go Vrabel, if you want to do culture, say what you want about Cam Newton, whether you like liked him as a player or not. The one thing that he has done better than maybe any other player in this franchise's history is he knew how to get people in the stands. Mm-hmm. And I think if you have him in that front office, he knows this area, he's very familiar with it, he knows the organization. He would be a good voice in Tepper's ear. I think, and he would do a lot to establish not just a culture for the organization, but for the fans. And I think he would help bring a lot of fans back into the environment. I know that's completely separate from what we were talking about, but I think they, I think it should be considered. I think he would be a really good fit for that kind of role to help, helping establish a culture within the organization.
1: And, and he's really advocating himself for it. And I think, Having him just in that building, not just for the fans, but for the players,
0: because the players,
1: a lot of players love Cam.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think that would be a good culture thing just to even have him back in the building.
0: But Um, more importantly, this is that would be a role where he can contribute, but it wouldn't be a distraction. Right. Right. Because if Cam comes and signs as a quarterback like that becomes a distraction for the team, because that's always going to be talked about. Right. Cam Newton sitting back there behind him. But he can be in that building, he can help Bryce Young and and he can build a culture. And I think it would be a really good thing for the organization to at least consider. Right. I, I would that would be a move that I would support greatly. I think he would really do a good job of helping establish a culture for the players, for the ownership, and for the fans that everybody can get behind and get involved and help try to bring this team back to what it was in his prime of his career when we were you know, competing for a Super Bowl. Well, now that we've had our closing discussion, we would encourage you all, what are your thoughts on the, the Panthers' head coaching search? Who do you want to see? We'll have a poll down in the comment section of this podcast. Make sure to go ahead and give your answer. We'll have a couple of options listed, but if, there, if you pick other, if you think somebody else out there would be a good one, Leave a comment down below. Tell us who you think should be the Panthers' next head coach. Finally, before we close, want to go ahead and let you all know that we have reached the end of the football season in the Carolinas. It's been a great season. We have enjoyed following all of these schools and and pro teams throughout the year. We are going to be taking a break for a little while and slowing down our upload rate. So we will probably be moving to more of a a once-a-month upload schedule through the offseason while stuff is less frequently going on. We'll keep you updated in February once the coaching search comes to a conclusion, as well as some news with recruiting with our college schools. March will have our free agency cycle and the conclusion of recruiting, as well as then when we get into April with the NFL draft with the Carolina Panthers. So we will be taking a break for a few weeks now that we are reaching the, the end of the season, but we hope you'll join us throughout the off season as we discuss all of the big news and updates that occur throughout the off season. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. If you enjoyed, make sure to leave a five star review on wherever it is you get your podcast from. Make sure to leave a comment down below telling us your thoughts on the episode or answering our poll, what coaches do you think the Panthers should consider for hiring. Follow us on both Facebook and Instagram at Carolina Casuals Podcast. Follow us to stay up to date on all the most recent information regarding this podcast. Well, thanks again so much for listening, and we will see you soon. But we are signing off from this football season in the Carolinas I am Justin, and he is Noah, and we will see you all in a few weeks to update you on all the most recent news of football in the Carolinas. Have a great one, everyone.